Well, our names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. And we live in a van and we eat from the trash. Making this podcast open for cash. You better listen up because we probably won't last. Because we can't compete with nonsense. Hypnotizing nonsense. This is episode 126 of Escaping Society. I'm Teresa. And I am Gumby. And we're back in the bottom, Hmm. a.k.a. our winter home. And you're back in North Carolina. Welcome back. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's Kekasini. Oh, boy. I think you do a better me than I do. Oh, I know I do. (laughs) So, um, I was visiting family, and it was, uh... It was nice in a lot of ways to be able to have that done because uh, my grandma's getting on up there in age. She's lost two sons, one of them being my dad, and uh, and her husband. Um, so she's been through a lot. So I really wanted to see her and, you know, just try to connect with her. She's losing her eyesight and she could barely hear, but... Uh, but she's in good spirits. Like, she walks around really well, even though she evidently can't see in front of her. Um, <laughs> that could be a dangerous combination. Yeah. It might be better to have a hard time walking if you can't see well. <laughs> but uh, she's just, I don't know, she just has a good outlook on things despite all of the uh, adversities that she's up against. And I also got to visit with other family members, including my brother, my mom, and uh, an aunt of mine who I hadn't seen in a long time. She's also been through a lot in her life, and I just have always admired how much she's just smiles and looks at the bright side of things. And yeah, she's actually not one of us. We kind of like invited her into the family. At first, not through marriage. It was kind of like she was a friend of another aunt of mine or aunt. But anyway, um, got to sit around and listen to a lot of talking, especially from my mom. And, uh, feel like I have seen the disease of the mind up close, and it's fairly scary. And Gumby's first question when I said that was, well, have you seen it in yourself? <laughs> yeah, I mean, since you brought that phrase up, uh, I wouldn't mind getting into that a little bit. Like, what what do you mean, disease of the mind? And what do you mean, like, that you've seen it? What, on this trip with your family... Uh, Makes you use the phrase, for one thing, that I'd like to hear defined, like disease of the mind, and what particularly about this trip brought it into focus. I think on this trip, my mom um, was focusing a lot on these couple of stories. Well, I say couple, maybe like more like six to ten stories that she'd tell everybody. And other people would have their stories, too, to share, but... And I'm not trying to, like, put myself above anybody. I barely did any talking this trip. I kind of just let everything kind of play out in front of me. She saves that for me. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a good point. Like, when I'm in a group of people, I'm not the chattiest one. Not usually. When it's more of a, a duo, I guess I am the chattiest one, just because Gumby likes to sit there and ponder things. But... Um, but getting back to the disease of the mind, yeah, it's it's like looking around and hearing squawking chickens. And that's not, I mean, that's not meant to be like, you know, against women talking or anything like that, because men do it too. So you define a disease of the mind uh, sounding like squawking chickens? Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of... It's, what about if they sound like donkeys? Yeah. It, it's kind of like everybody feels like they have something important to say, but when they finally say it, it isn't really all that important. In fact, it might have detracted from the moment that we were in had we been okay to just be in silence. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, what you just said there rings a bell. Like, I often will... Uh 
And this is very hypocritical because when I think I have something to say, I'll just say it. And it seems very important. And I recognize like that there's a big hypocrisy there. And I mean, let's not forget the ego fueling that hypocrisy. Of course, if I have something to say, it's important. But often when I'm sitting quietly and someone else is talking, you know, recognizing they feel the same way, they've got something to say. But my perception when they're talking is things are already talking. I'm listening to the wind. I'm listening to the fire crack and pop. I'm listening to the little birds. You know, I'm just listening to other things that are talking. And it has the same feeling sometimes when people are talking. And maybe this will uh, resonate with your phrase, disease of the mind, what you're conveying with that. But uh, it has a feeling of interruption. Mm-hmm. Of like, there's something already happening. There's something like going on and it's like people can't even tune into it because they're placing themselves in front of it. Is that does that resonate with what you're uh, describing or am I describing something different? No, I think that's that's fairly close because I had also written down um have we lost our ability to remember what we wanted to say? Is that maybe why we have to keep interrupting and talking and and getting in front because we know we're going to forget it. I definitely have that problem almost every episode. It's where I, the the part where I say, damn, I just had a brain fart. (laughs) I, uh, when we were talking about this earlier in relation to, you know, disease of the mind and everything, I'm wondering if there is a, well, I would stress it a little more than wondering. I feel uh, that there is indeed a deterioration of the mind among people. Um, As I said in a couple episodes prior to this, I think people have always been, for the most part, kind of stupid. But I think something else is happening, some kind of deteriorating thing that might be related to what you're describing. Like, uh, we can't even remember things. You know, our short-term memory, even if you're not a pot smoker, you know, Mm -hmm. seems to be uh, shot. So, yeah. And uh, which reminds me, I I hope you're going to get into some of the discussions you had with your family, particularly your brother. But uh, one thing he said... um, my and brother? I, your brother, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the framing, like where this came from. Maybe you can help me out with that. But it was the part where he said uh, the reason why we are oh, having this perhaps disease yeah. of the mind, as you might call it, is because our evolution has been surpassed by our uh, lines of communication, our technology. Our speed of information. Our speed of information. Mm-hmm. And... uh I don't agree with your brother as that's the whole picture. You know, he said that was, you know, apply Occam's razor. The simple solution is obviously, is often the uh, the best, the most eloquent. I'm not sure that's true in this case, but uh, I do believe it is a big factor that this information. And uh, when Teresa told me that, I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, there's a big point there. But one of the problems I have is how do you define information? I feel like your brother, um, are we trying to keep his name off the... Yeah, but, let's try to keep his name off. All right, your brother. So when he says information, I think he's seeing it as in information, uh, actual facts, actual relevant things. I'm not sure a lot of the information that we're receiving isn't, for the most part, deceptions, even if it's intended to be truths, uh, misinterpretations, um, outright lies. Lies that maybe we tell ourselves first and don't even know that we're continuing to lie because we lied to ourselves first, so it seems like the truth. Mm. So it's worse than just the speed of information. That information itself is tainted, even if it was going at a rate that we could digest it better. Yeah. And I, I realize the irony of us talking in the podcast uh, and me saying that people talk a lot. Well, I mean, what are we going to do? Just, like, let it run and hope the people overhear that bird in the background? I highly encourage you, if you can, if you're, like, already taking in a lot of media, turn it off, go outside, and listen to those voices we're describing. But I imagine you're uh, tuning into a podcast because you want to hear people talk. Yeah, and that is something else, too, that I noticed in myself. When we were in the mountains, we didn't have Wi-Fi. And when we'd go to town, there'd be use of Wi-Fi, but not as much um, as in previous years. And when we got back to Durham, uh, I was quickly whisked away um, by family to go up to Ohio. So um, even in Ohio, I didn't get on the internet a lot. And I got to tell you, it's really nice. It's getting close to noon. 
we have a hot spot from the library so we can get Wi-Fi. I haven't been on it. I go on it minimally to check messages and uh, do whatever I absolutely need to do. And then I just want off. It's, it's really, it, it's pretty gross, actually. Especially, you know, you were just talking about information. What is this junk that we're being just forced to witness on Facebook or on media, news media feeds? I don't care about the majority of the stuff that's going on. And the stuff that I do care about is not being talked about. Um, I had also written down, is our amount of talking and and the use of so many words some sort of defense or self-preservation so that we are less propagandized? But I'm not so sure after this trip. I think people reinforce the propaganda that they want to reinforce. Is our amount of talking meant to be a defense against the propaganda? Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? What do you mean? Yeah, like um, maybe we recognize that there's too much going on for us to process. So instead of tuning into so many sources of news, if we can, we try to talk over that. I'm not sure. It yeah. made sense when I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah. It seems like I, I have a vague memory of that being tied into another thought that I can't remember either. But then when you followed that up with a doubt that that was in fact the case, I also, when you say that, have a doubt. I almost feel like uh, all the talking is more a result of the propaganda. Not a result. Uh, an outreach. A uh, hmm. next step of the propaganda. Because what we are talking about is not like defense. You know, like I would imagine if we're getting propagandized. What are the main of the things that we get fed through propaganda? Uh, things to buy, um, politics, things that uh, divide us, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If it was a defense, I would think we would do a lot of talking about things that were not that. But instead, what we talk about is exactly the propaganda. <laughs> and uh, when you're around a certain kind of person, it's spooky because they believe the propaganda and are repeating it. Yeah. They're repeating it as if they're, it's their own thoughts. So... At least if we're going to talk about the propaganda, um, and Teresa and I both strive to do this, and I think we do a pretty good job of this, but we uh, ruminate on it. We turn it over. We consider it. We question it. We see, like, well, what, what would be the other thought if this wasn't true? You know, like, at least that helps us get those rusty, slow, mental, de- mentally deteriorated wheels moving <laughs> a little bit. But when you're just regurgitating the propaganda, yeah, I, I feel like that is uh, – just sliding down the hole. Oh, I got. I have another one. Remember when uh, I said that you could trigger people just by saying the T word, Trump? Mm-hmm. So another one that is really cool to just uh, witness is when uh, my family members, uh, there's a, a chunk of them that are liberals, leftists, whatever you want to call it. All of a sudden, at the same time in unison, gerrymandering, gerrymandering, gerrymandering. They just bring it up like it's They the... just erupted in a yeah. silent living room and started chanting gerrymandering? <laughs> well, Is that, that what you're trying to say? In a, in a conversation that went from anywhere from Trump to uh, the Republicans in general to white supremacy to gerrymandering, 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 gerrymandering. Well, I get a little bit uh, caught up in Facebook. Um, a little. Well, I'd say a little bit because some people will scroll all day long. I, I like to dip into it. I dip my toes into it, turn it on, check messages, you know, I'll get involved in a debate. And if there's an active debate going on, I'll check it more to see what people wrote. Um, But it's still, you know, like uh, probably not the best use of my time. But one thing I do like about it is I get to see what other people are thinking. And I always try to engage. I mean, hell, it's easy for me to find people who are thinking other things than me because nobody's thinking what I'm thinking. So I always wind up in debates. Um, And I like to see what those people are thinking. Like, what do they say when challenged? Um, And you brought up uh, gerrymandering. (laughs) So it's interesting watching what some people are posting. Like this morning, somebody posted something about, you know, the we're starting to see these posts about go vote, go vote, get out and vote. And this one was uh, geared towards women, you know, women's rights before another uh, daughter has to shed tears over the voice she once had. Or it was like some reference to a poem or something. And uh, it drives me crazy because these same people 
that will say, go vote, go vote. We need to get out and vote. Like, you know, this this deep faith in the system of democracy and the voting process are the same people that will erupt into gerrymandering. <laughs> they then, you know, given another topic, their argument will be, you can't trust the vote. Well, you know, they're going to cheat. They're going to rig it, gerrymandering yeah. or you know, and of course, we know what's going to happen no matter who wins. The other side that loses will cry foul. They won't accept it. Suddenly, they have no faith in voting. Obviously, somebody cheated. Remember when Trump got elected? Not my president. You know, everybody, oh, the Russian collusion. Like, uh, this was obviously rigged. Trump couldn't have possibly got elected. People were fucking setting on cars on fire. People were actually getting physically assaulted on college campuses if they were suspected of having supported Trump. Remember what happened when Biden got elected? Now the other side. You know, like, there's videos coming out. Like, obviously, Biden cheated. I'm not even getting into right now my opinions about who might have cheated and who didn't. I kind of think every election is fucked up in one way or the other. (laughs) But what is the point if you're going to rally everybody up to go vote and then if you don't win, which, you know, if you play this game, there's a very good chance that you might not be in the majority. You might not get your candidate elected. Then you're going to say voting doesn't work. It's just so stupid every year. So stupid. The same stupid crap. I think people need to vote harder. You know what I mean? Like just go Rambo on that voting machine. Vote so fucking hard. It hurts. That's right. Um, and speaking of using a lot of words, that was a segue. Um, don't forget talking to this microphone. I'm right You got this tiny little iPad microphone. Well, I'll get right up in it then. How about this, listeners? I like it. Let's both talk in the same time. Ooh, this is intimate. I don't think so. But, uh, is it, and this is a question to listeners, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Is it more feminine than masculine to use quantifiably a lot of words and are men becoming in this way more feminized are we requiring men to use more words or is this something else is this uh we can't get our idea out without using a lot of words and i recognize that talking is often something that women do to bond. So, uh, I'm not saying that talking is bad. I'm just wondering if we're, um, creating more babble, I guess, than we need to. Well, you said a lot in that little, uh, part right there, like are men getting more feminized and then you're talking about talking. So are you just saying feminized only in the sense that men are being, uh, okay, Feminized only in the sense that men are um, being persuaded to communicate through more talking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing you're saying that because you believe that is true. Well, I don't know. It's just something I, I had written down that I was thinking about. But we can move on from that. What you got? Hmm? What you got? I want to hear more about your trip up there. Uh, you had a lot of conversations with your brother, so... What'd you talk about with your brother? Um, well... And one of the reasons why I'm going back to her brother is her brother's a really smart guy, but he's very leftist. Mm -hmm. So I find myself disagreeing with him on almost every topic. And uh, (laughs) one of the things that's so frustrating when Teresa comes back from a trip or spending time with her brother is she will tell me everything her brother said, but I'm not talking directly to her brother. So I have no chance to, like, uh, challenge those ideas. And uh, some of them are good. Some of them, you know, hopefully you'll get into some things, I'll, I'll wait, but uh, uh, there's some ideas that he shared that uh, I think about, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was uh, that was a good good point he made. I think it was incomplete, but good point. Well, one of the big uh, things that I remember and that we want to talk about on this particular podcast that it is escaping society, some of you might actually be trying. Um, we're trying. We're still trying. We haven't escaped yet, as we often say. And uh, my brother was bringing up something that we had talked about in a, I don't know, first season episode of our podcast uh, when we talked about drain on society. How do you justify benefiting from a society that you aren't contributing to? Um, So in the context of my conversation with my brother, it was um, him basically saying like, well, you know, you guys 
are still eating food that is from, whether it's from buying it at the store or going to a food pantry or finding it in the dumpster behind the store, I am not subsisting off of only food that I forage or grow myself. So that's a, a big thing. And then, of course, we have our minivan, which, you know, sometimes needs maintenance and sometimes needs gasoline and oil and those type of things. That's society. Um, so he was just kind of questioning, you know, what are you doing? Like, why bother? Because you're still a part of society. I'm curious what the context was that brought that up. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Well, what are your thoughts on that? What was your response? Well, my responses to a lot of my family members was to just listen and try not to uh, start an argument. But you said something um, when I told you that, and I really like it as a something to jog my memory from our episode. And that is we're doing something. So if your argument is, well, you're not 100% there, you're not off-grid or you haven't escaped society, so why bother? I don't think that's really a good argument. It's not letting you, the the opposing person, off the hook. I mean, what is, what is it that he's doing? He's just saying, oh, if you're not doing it 100%, why should I even try? That's kind of shit. Yeah, if you're trying some method of escaping society, you've probably run into this type of uh, argument because it's commonly used that people will point out like, well, you're online, aren't you? Aren't we having this conversation online? Uh, you know, or like your brother said, given examples like how many, how much food do you get that comes from our society in the van? Um, I think it's a complete misunderstanding of the whole I can only speak for myself. I don't know if any of our listeners who uh, consider themselves to be rewilding what their goals, because there's there's no one, as Daniel Quinn says, there's no one right way to live, but there's no one right way to rewild either. Mm -hmm. So my goal is not to be uh, clear and free. Some people would say it's not possible nowadays because of the devastation of the environment. I don't believe that. Um, I've heard of people, I haven't met anybody myself that's 100% free from society, but I've heard of people that are, and I, I, I believe they're out there. I believe it's possible. I see no reason that someone couldn't push that far to be completely cut off from civilization. My goal with my aging body, my past, my upbringing in the society, uh, all my quirks and foibles that I've got to wrestle with um, is not that. I want to – I'm enjoying the process. The more I can learn how to do something self-sufficiently, the more I can give up something in place of something I can create, be it through bushcrafting from the wild or scavenging. Um, it's a process that gives me more freedom. So that would be the ing in escaping society for me. It's all about the process. These people that will try to bring the focus on the end goal um, – which they, like I said, especially if they're talking to me, it's not my goal. That's your goal. And the only reason – it's not, not your personal goal, but it's the goal you attribute to me. And the only reason you're attributing that goal to me is to win an argument, not only to try to discredit what I'm doing and any points I might be making or bringing up, but also to let yourself off the hook. Because your brother, for instance, and a lot of the people that I wind up in conversations like this with are also very critical of society. They're not saying that in defense of society. They themselves are extremely critical of the government, of society, and I think they're wrestling with a lot of personal disdain that they know they are utterly dependent on it. And they don't even want to do what people like us are doing who are mm -hmm. not completely free. You know, They're like, I'm not washing my ass in a cold mountain river. I'm not – I don't plan on just cooking all my food on fires and like all this crap you guys are doing. <laughs> so the way, the way they let themselves off the hook is, well, here's the goal I attribute to you. You're not there. You can't make it. So why would I do what you're doing? So they're not even getting close. Yeah. So that's my impression of that argument is it's not so much about me. It used to bother me, but I like that. It bothered me because there were things I had to look at more closely about my own goals, what I was doing, and how I felt about them. That doesn't bother me anymore because I think I more understand where that argument's coming from. It's about them. They're looking for a way that they are not held to task. So, you know, if you turn it around and like 
which I would imagine, I bet this was the context that came out of. I bet it was something like, if you don't like the government, how come you're not uh, doing things to get further away from it? And yeah. I bet it was more of a response of like, well, what about you guys? So our process helps us reach further than a lot of people who aren't even trying because they have defeated themselves before they even started the walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and I think you're right. It, you know, when you're in a family that likes to talk a lot, it's hard to keep track of how things got to where they were in the conversation. But I think you're right. I think it did have something to do with um, my outlook on government, like government spending taxes and all of that. And then, you know, how do you justify benefiting from that if you're not paying taxes? And you are paying some taxes because you're still buying some things from the store and that's sales tax, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're not starving the beast. You're only just reducing it a little bit what you feed it. In other words, tax money. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear a lot more from you about some of these conversations you had, because when anything I bring up is going to be like second or third hand, whatever. (laughs) But one thing that uh, popped up in my head that I I will bring up is uh, who, what was the name of the woman who got shot during the uh, January 6th protest? Oh yeah. Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt. So Teresa's brother is very anti-government to the point where he says things that I find, uh, Ugly and more violent, although I used to say shit like this, too. I can listen back in our early seasons. Mm -hmm. At some point, I want to get around to really talking about the things where my views have changed from where we started, but not right now. That's a a big thing. But, um, you know, your brother will say things to the point of, like, I hate politicians. I'll be glad when we drag them all out in the streets and slit their fucking throats. And, I mean, just really, like... And, uh, Very disturbing, violent things. Yeah, I mean, just like really like kind of Bolshevik revolution kind of shit. Yeah, and he's not going to do it. No, he's, he's just not going to do it. Full of it's hatred. that kind of anger, and it, I run into that kind of thing a lot. And yet, these will be the very same people that will vote, that will tell you to get out and vote, and that will condemn. He also said, I'm glad that Ashley Babbitt mm-hmm. got shot. Like the stupid fucking whatever, you know, just completely like horrible woman. And what was her crime? Um, If you're to believe the uh, propaganda, it was to be part of a violent insurrection. So violent that all these right wing gun nuts all forgot to bring their guns. (sighs) Or I've heard other uh, leftists when I'm, I'm debating this say, well, do you know that a few of them did bring their guns? I'm like, okay, so let me revise that. This uh, violent insurrection where most of the right-wing gun nuts forgot to bring their guns, and the few that did apparently were responsible enough not to shoot anybody. (laughs) Ooh, gosh, that that must have been a terror. So for her to be part of a movement that was like marching on the Capitol, a guy that on another conversation will say he wishes everybody would drag the politicians into the streets and slit their throats. This is the the common reversal, the common hypocrisy, the double think that if you're not in this cult is baffling to hear. You're just – it doesn't connect. Yeah, I asked him. I was like, well, wait a second. You were just talking about how, you know – you dislike politicians so very much that violent things should happen to them. And here, lo and behold, there's a group of people that supposedly were going to do horrible things to politicians and you're not supporting it? See how that doesn't make sense? No answer. And I can see if they really believe this was a violent insurrection and these people were trying to overthrow the government and all forgot their guns and they were that stupid, how they would have a low opinion of these people. Uh, I do not believe they were all that stupid, but... Anyway, so uh, what else? God, now you got me going down that road. Well, I I will say this. So something else that my mom said was um, in the context of actually um, my other grandma who has passed away now 12 years ago. Uh, something happened at where she's buried and it wasn't a huge deal, but my mom was making it into a huge deal. And I guess some people would say like that's disrespectful for the cleaning crew to leave like mops and uh things in front of the the drawer that my grandma's dead body is in i mean 
It all really depends, I guess, on how attached you are to that dead body being your family member. But uh, my mom said, well, what do you care? You live in the woods. And uh, it didn't really hurt me so much as my brother thought it was uh, an interesting remark and repeated it to me. I guess to just bring home that I obviously don't care about such such things, such civilized matters as, uh, as mausoleum cleaning supply etiquette because I live in the woods. I mean, I don't care. I honestly really don't care because my view is that's not my grandma. That's just kind of a dead body that's weirdly in a drawer in a wall. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, some other things that were said were like, you know, oh, isn't it going to be nice that you've had this week where you have a place to lay your head and hot showers, and then you're going to be in the woods for a while, but then you get to do this pet sitting gig, which I'm doing again this weekend. Um, so you'll have again, a place to lay your head, a place to take a hot shower. And this might be something else that, uh, if you're trying to escape society comes up is people, constantly want to paint your life as it must be awful. I am so sorry that you are living like an animal outside. Now, not everyone has a nice minivan with memory foam to go lay their head on every night, but I do. And I kind of prefer it to being in a house that feels stuffy, full of dead air and just, it just feels dead. Um, and as far as a hot shower, yes, they can be nice. But also, um, as we've talked about many, many times, it begets other things, doesn't it? A hot shower by itself is okay, but a hot shower with soap and then maybe after that deodorant and quite possibly if you want shampoo and all that stuff, then then you've got the makings of something that's uh, after a while just becomes normal and you don't think anything great about it. Yeah, we've talked about the uh, one product begets another before as far as like uh, regarding BO, but we got to see it play out in a slightly different form when Teresa came back. We uh, came back here to uh, Rock Bottom, our little place out in the country, and the mosquitoes were swarming her. Mm -hmm. Not me. I didn't get bothered by a single one. The only difference between us is that she'd been taking hot showers with soap. Mm -hmm. And so if she didn't have me as a contrast and also her own experience of like, oh, you know, I I recognize there's another way to be that I'm not using soap and everything, it would be very tempting for her to just think, wow, anyone gets eaten up by mosquitoes here. They're so bad. I need another product, bug repellent. Right. And then we start getting into not only one product begets another, but one product begets an even uglier product because what's bug repellent? It's some form of poison. Yeah. Um, you know, you can try the little like fruity, like herbal store stuff and some of it works in some circumstances. I've never been that impressed, but if you want the stuff that really works, like permethrin, keeping ticks off and DEET to keep mosquitoes away, stuff that I've like have experimented with in the past, just see how it works. And it works so well. It's like flipping a switch. Like the bugs definitely like, boom, they're gone. That stuff is toxic. That is straight up poison. So Teresa coming from that world of civilization instead of, you know, the the tramping I'd been doing during the week, you know, our weeks apart, might be really easily tempted and she'd have, you know, it'd be a rational conclusion. My observation. Yeah, if I want to be outside, I need these. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like constantly in suffering and blood dry by these mosquitoes that are devouring me, never recognizing that it wasn't her blood that was bringing them. It was the products. Yeah. So I immediately got into the smoke when we started the fire just so I could not smell so much like a perfumey soap. Mm -hmm. And after that, the bugs weren't bothering me anymore. Yeah. And uh, revisit your mom's statement for, uh, you know, we don't want to pick on Teresa's family. I I will say, like, I I tried (laughs) to uh, give credit and let me uh, just underline this again, that uh, her brother is very intelligent. We have very different views on stuff. And, uh, Maybe we might even be able to get him to be part of a podcast sometime. That could be interesting. It would be challenging. Um, but it's it's hard to think on your feet sometimes, which would be the challenging part of an interview with him. But, uh, you know, he'll say things that are well thought out. They are challenging, whereas a lot of people in that woke camp just say the stupidest shit. You don't even have to think to recognize, like, well, that makes no sense. Um, your brother's at least 
trying to make sense. He's trying to put some pieces together, even if he's missing a lot of links between them, like the hate the people that hate the government, well, I hate the government kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And likewise, your mom, you know, uh, I like Teresa's mom, but she is, uh, you know, like, <laughs> Teresa calls her uh, Hurricane Patty, mm-hmm. and I don't think putting her name there is going to do too much damage, but um, she is kind of a force to be reckoned with, which can be kind of a uh, bemusing, impressive thing, and also a very infuriating, challenging thing to be around. So she often think, speaks without thinking, and I think that's what that, uh, what do you care? You live in the woods. I think she was more angry about her mom, and, uh, you know, she will often, like, get really upset mm-hmm. about little things. You know, she doesn't budget her anger very well, which I guess we all have those moments. But uh, I think that's more what that was about, just kind of like you were supposed to be up to her level of incense and anger about it. Yeah. And so she wanted to say something just kind of like, you know, give a dig. And uh, when <laughs> Teresa told me that, it reminded me of, uh, I had an ex-girlfriend that when we first got together, her she was talking to her, the boyfriend she had just left. And the meanest thing he could say about me on the phone was he called me nature boy. And she thought that was funny that like this guy, you know, he like hates you. He's trying to say something mean about you. And the meanest thing he can call you is nature boy. I like that you're a nature boy. So <laughs> I thought it, in the same way, it was kind of funny that Teresa's mom in a moment of anger when she's trying to kind of like make a dig is like, what do you care? You live in the woods. Like I do. Yeah. Is that the worst thing you got? <laughs> Thank you for noticing. Yeah. And I will say that I used to be a, a grave digger and uh, whoever left the, that stuff out in the hall, that was some shoddy workmanship, which we're seeing everywhere. You know, oh my God. you've probably noticed it in your own town. Just the quality of things is going way down everywhere. Um, so likewise, that's probably what she ran into. But on the other side, you know, I, I get Teresa and good on you for uh, not getting so upset about it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's bad workmanship. Um, not workmanship, bad, I guess, just etiquette, something like mm-hmm. that. They could have done better. They shouldn't leave stuff like that in the hall when people are coming to visit their deceased relatives. But why let it get to you? What I good mean, does that do? Why ruin your whole day over something so small? I don't think the dead person is like, you know, rolling over in their grave over a mop. My mom even said my grandma would probably laugh at that because my grandma always left stuff out like that. Yeah. And, Maybe she requested it. And while it's on my mind, you know, at the, uh, <laughs> got an exorcist like, can you bring me a mop? <laughs> while it's on my mind, um, regarding bad quality, we went to Subway. Uh, Sandwich shop. Yeah. Was that the day you got back? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because we were coming out to the country, yeah, and that's I just right. said, I do not want to cook. I want to just, like, um, basically relax. So I go in the Subway sandwich shop. We both do. And it's a shop we've been in before and not really had a problem. Um, you know, sometimes there's a surly employee or something, but not really a big problem. We go in there, and there's these two little teenagers. I mean, they barely look old enough to uh, be hired. A little black girl and a little Hispanic girl. And uh, I only bring that up what their race is because I don't know how this ties into everything with all this woke crap. You know, there's like, is this part of uh, all the adults not working? Is this part of trying to uh, enforce such a level of diversity that they're not paying attention to the quality of the people they're hiring? I don't know. (laughs) As long as they have a certain skin color, we're okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's what's going on here or not. But what I do know is... They had little signs here and there that, like, they're out of this. They don't have that. Like, I had to order, like, try two different sandwiches before they actually had the ingredients that I was looking for. And so I'm wondering. (laughs) When you you asked why they were out of. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) When you you asked the, the young ladies why they were out of the bread, they were like, oh, we're not out. We just, we just haven't made it yet. Yeah. It was lunchtime. (laughs) I'm kind of like reeling from that because I kind of want to call them out like, well, who the hell's job is it? You know, like I want to like make that hard for them because if they're showing up for work and just like they didn't, I can't have the sandwich that I'm ordering because you didn't bother to make it. What the fuck? (laughs) I thought maybe they they were too young to operate the oven or something. So I'm kind of reeling from that, (laughs) processing that. Like, okay, I'm just kind of stunned silent. Like, she gave that. Like, that was an answer. What? (laughs) So I finally find a sandwich that they seem capable of providing. And um, the girl's making it. And I say when she gets to the vegetables and whatever. And I've said this, like, for years now. This is my general topping. I say, oh, just put a little bit of everything on it. 
people get what that means. They just, yeah, a little pinch of this, a little pinch of that. You know, they just go through every vegetable they got. This girl puts like three or four of the different vegetable things, stops and looks at me and says, is that good? I look at her and I said, is that everything? She's like, well, we've got this and this. I'm like, everything. And like (laughs) everything about this exchange is like they're completely clueless. And here's one of the things that was interesting is at least the girl making my sandwich kind of seemed a little afraid. Like they knew they were doing a shitty job and they were scared I was going to call them out on it. And looking back, I wish I had called them out on it. They deserve to be called out on it. If you're young and you're doing a bad job, I had to get reprimanded. I had jobs I was just screwing off. I got reprimanded. I didn't like it. It didn't always like take. Sometimes I just quit. But I deserve to be reprimanded. If you agree to take on a job and then don't do the job, you deserve to be reprimanded. If not by the people you're working for, which would be ideal, then the customers you're serving. Um, It might have been your toxic masculinity or your white supremacy. Well, you know. feel uncomfortably violated. And it was my white privilege that made me think I could actually go in a store and order a sandwich (laughs) that they had advertised to bring me into the fucking store, apparently. What do you care? You live in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) I live in the woods and I care. And like maybe the morning before that or uh, a couple mornings before that, a similar girl. I was uh, sleeping in the parking lot of a Red Roof Inn, which is a local uh, motel. And in the morning, sometimes I'll go. They, they can't tell who's sleeping in their van and who's sleeping in a room. And it's just a cup of coffee. So I go in and I get a cup of coffee. I go in there and I'm like, you guys got coffee in the front desk? And uh, she's like, yeah, but we don't have any sugar or cream. And it's just like this coffee out there with nothing, not even a napkin, just like this machine with coffee. <laughs> so I'm there, sticking my cup, cup under there. Uh, there might have been cups provided, but I brought my own. Good good on you. So I stuck a cup under there, and it's such a weird machine I'd never worked before that I spilled some. And uh, I ask, like, I'm not just going to leave the mess there. You know, I'm not trying to, like, ruin anything I do for future hobos, including myself in the future. So I like try to clean up as I go, you know, not be a bad guest when I'm wherever I go, not leave a mess. I mean, it's just basic human decency, basic fucking intelligence. Clean up your mess. Wipe your own ass. Mm. Don't soil your bed. You know, there's a hundred sayings that mean the same thing. (laughs) Take responsibility for your goddamn self. So anyway, I'm talking to her. She's eating some Bojangles, which, as I've mentioned many times, is my favorite restaurant. So being a little conversational with her, like, oh, yeah, Bojangles, man. That's one of the best restaurants going now. Everything's kind of going downhill. Another really young girl, and she's mumbling. She, I can't even make out what she's saying. She just keeps mumbling. And when she hands me a napkin, her hand's shaking. Like, she's so nervous to be interacting with someone. And... (laughs) With all these interactions with these young people, I'm thinking, is there a connection? I've heard other people discuss this topic, and they believe it's because of social media, this growing technology, dependence on technology, all this bad news they're being raised with. Their world is doomed. There's nothing they can do about it. You have no future. Um, All this stuff is creating such an unsocialized group of youth that they are quickly losing, you know, you mentioned the Tower of Babel earlier. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or between us, but they're losing the ability to communicate with human beings so quickly. They just, they won't make eye contact. It's like unnatural to them. It's like they're becoming a different creature. Mm -hmm. That's the way I feel when I'm talking to some of the young people nowadays. Like, I'm not trying to say this in terms of like dehumanizing them, but it's like they're a different kind of creature. It's yeah. like you don't make eye contact. You don't you don't recognize that your volume of your voice needs to reach my ears so you don't speak up. You don't articulate your words so I can tell one one from the other. Sometimes it sounds like a bunch of mumbling and they're all in together. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck is that? What are we doing to these kids? And how are they taking over the world? What the hell are they doing making my sandwiches in Subway? What is this thinking? Like somebody owns that Subway shop. How do you run a business and let the quality plummet like that and not worry that it's going to drive customers away, that somebody's going to have a bad experience like I did, and then the next time they're in that part of town, like, well, I'm not going to Subway. They'll fuck up your sandwich. I'm choosing the other guy. I don't, I don't understand what fundamentally has happened in our capitalist culture that capitalism doesn't seem to be working the way it used to. There used to be kind of a mimicry of uh, natural selection. In yeah. capitalism, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
So if you don't meet the demand with your supply, including quality, including courtesy, including all the things people demand as customers, your business will suffer. So it is to your benefit if you want to make money, which is why you're in, a, in business, to try to meet that demand. That's not happening anymore. It's like you get what you get and that's it. Yeah. How does that happen? What is going on? And I think part of the responsibility, too, is on the consumers. I try to get extra stuff whenever I go somewhere, whether that's extra napkins or um, extra packets of sugar, just because I'm trying to not uh, buy things, but I recognize that someone has to buy that. Um, But nowadays, it's like a lot of those things are kind of under lock and key more than they've been. And so if I order a salad... Or, you know, something that needs a fork or some plasticware. Yeah, sure, I live in a minivan. I can use my own silverware that's reusable. I'm good on that. But it used to be that they would give you that stuff. They don't give you that stuff anymore. And if you ask for hot sauce, you better not be a fan of hot sauce because they hold on to that like it's gold. Now, you say the responsibility is on the consumer, and I agree with you, but I'm wondering if we're thinking the same thing. What do you think that responsibility entails? As a consumer, what is our responsibility in that situation? Well, it's a good question because, like, for example, at a hotel or motel, most of the time if you're going to a hotel or motel, you might have options beforehand. Maybe you're going on vacation or something. But, like, with our lifestyle, if we are getting a hotel or motel room, we kind of just have to go with what we can afford and what there is around. And if it costs a hundred dollars and it ain't worth about maybe 30 or 40, I can't, I can't like get the price lowered. I just, they don't care. But as a consumer, like I could try to plan a little better and go elsewhere, but that dollar voting that I don't know if that's working anymore. So I'm not sure what consumers can do other than like fill out surveys but i'm not sure how that how much that helps yeah that's what i was thinking vote with your feet vote with your dollars you know like go to the businesses that are uh supplying what you're demanding which i think kind of naturally happens because if you had enough bad experience in a place why would you keep going there so even mm-hmm. without like having a a philosophy or a slogan you're just naturally you know like yeah screw that. They, they make horrible food and they're rude. And I'm starting to have a feeling of dread thinking about going in there. I'm not going there anymore. But yeah, I would agree that that needs to happen as much as you can. But one of the problems is the quality of everywhere is going down. <laughs> yeah. So your favorite places suck. And then what? Yeah. Like McDonald's has lost me altogether. I used to go to McDonald's sometimes. Not my favorite, but you know, if I wanted a cheap double cheeseburger, you know, it might just stave off the hunger when I don't want to spend a lot of money on going out, but I don't really want to make anything right then. Living in a van, sometimes it's like rainy day. It's not easy to make something like, let me just buy something for a couple of bucks. But the food quality has gone down so bad that I will not eat at McDonald's anymore. I will go hungry until I can make something or buy something else. But of all the places, other places that I still go, it's getting to be a little bit of a toss up. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything is like holding hands. It's like the Titanic. It's like, you know, all these businesses are like embracing each other in bed as they're going underwater, you know, and I hear the violin music playing and it's some soft song called You're Fucked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's a pretty song. It is. Yeah, it's disturbing. And another reason why uh, I don't even really look forward that much to going to town anymore. Well, uh the other thing that I was going to mention was uh, I gotta I gotta give a shout out and thank you to Jordan Peterson. I think you were reading his book when I was gone and something happened. Oh boy, you can uh, bring that up. <laughs> well, I, I thought I would. All right, go ahead, go ahead. You bring that up. Well, you brought it up the other night. Oh, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't read the book, so you might have to fill that in if you know what I mean. I filled it in the other night. Oh God. Well, anyway, Jordan Peterson said something about something how you should try to have sex. Love the one you're with. <laughs> so, uh, as uh, longtime listeners might know about our uh, every detail of our life, you know, Gumby and I are kind of we're we're together a lot, and uh, having that time of absence to make the heart grow fonder isn't 
isn't generally there. But uh, Jordan Peterson, I guess, said like, well, if you're going to have, how did he say? If you're going to put this much effort into just staying with the person, why don't you put a little bit of effort into uh, making love? Yeah, I mentioned in the last episode that I was reading Jordan Peterson. I'll say this is my second book that I read by Jordan Peterson. What I said in the last episode is uh, I really appreciate him as a thinking man. He challenges me, and sometimes I have to revise my views on things. If I can't look at the view I held and, like, it doesn't withstand his uh, challenge, you know? I mean, as a reasonable person, I have to, like, huh, well— if his challenge kind of overrides my defense of it, I need to reconsider what I'm defending here. Hmm. Um, but I will say my impression of his books is I'll start off kind of a little bit turned off. I usually don't like the way he introduces his books. He's so damn pro-civilization and everything and pro-Western civilization and thank God for the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, it just it's not <laughs> it's not where I'm coming from. By the middle, I'm like, wow, those were some insights. Those are some really unique views into things. And by the end, I'm kind of turned off again. <laughs> so I don't like where he comes from. I don't like where he takes it so much. But he's got some really powerful thoughts in the middle. One chapter in this book I just read, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life, I think it's called, um, was all about romantic relationships. And as Teresa was kind of alluding to, I'll take it even further. We were flat out platonic. We had a platonic relationship. And I'm someone who really enjoys sex. So that is like an ongoing problem. We want to be together, you know, like we share a lot of things in so many ways. We form a good partnership. We have communication problems. Sometimes we lose our tempers and talk like really uh, not carefully with each other. And then we have no physical connection to soften that. So it's been just something that's kind of the elephant in the room for us. Um it's not that we're not looking at it. It's just what's to say about it. You know, it's like I've gotten used to not thinking of Teresa as a sexual being and Teresa's just gotten used to not being interested in sex. So, you know, we ignore that. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, if we're going in all of our dirty laundry, like I would masturbate a lot. And, uh, you know, I think there's a place for masturbation, but uh, it gets to be a point where it's just not – you don't want to do that all the time to the exclusion of the connection that sex is supposed to be with another human being. So I was always kind of on the table, like, should we be in an open relationship? Even if I was, how the hell would that work? We live in a van together. Do I just pull up in some girl's driveway and like, all right, Teresa, I'll be out in the two hours and go in there. And they're like, oh, where's Teresa? Oh, she's waiting in the van, but let's go. <laughs> Not bloody likely. Some women might be into that. Yeah. Maybe if you're James Bond, you can pull that shit off, but I ain't got that kind of charisma. Um, but anyway, this chapter said a lot of interesting things about, you know, you're getting older. We have this, like, part of us that even if you think you don't like sex, you want to connect. Like, it's a good thing. Why would you deny yourself this good thing? So even if you just shoot for, like, twice a week, you might think, like, oh, so what? It's going to be, like, Monday and Friday night? That sounds so robotic and dead. But isn't it better than nothing? And if that's what it takes to get things rolling again, why not shoot for that? Why not make some kind of goal? Make something happen. You are responsible for your life. That's one of the common themes of Jordan Peterson that I like the most. Take responsibility for your own life. If it's not where you want it, how can you get it closer? Because you can get it closer. And again, fuck that little goal that somebody else might assign to you where you're supposed to be. It's the process. Get closer to it. So anyway, I had that thought in mind and yeah, that's kind of been uh, helping Teresa. It's our first week kind of trying to like create sort of a uh, more of a pattern of that, of like being together sexually like twice a week. Um, but yeah, it was good. And I would pass on that advice to anybody else. You know, uh, Teresa is so got so caught up in the idea of herself not liking sex that we would have sex, and for a little while afterwards, she would know she liked sex. <laughs> She'd be like, that was good. If I may say so, she saw God. <laughs> so she would remember that. But then, give a day, then she starts talking about how she just thinks sex is kind of gross and everything. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I saw you and talked to you right after we had sex. You did not think it was gross. So there's something like you're doing in your mind that when you've got 
a little bit of arm length to kind of get make it abstract again, you are really comfortable being a person who doesn't like sex. And that, I don't know. Now I'm talking about what you think, which is kind of weird with you sitting right here. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say anything about that? Or you can just move on if you think we've uh, covered that too. Um, two things before we move on. One is um, by reigniting uh, a fire under that uh, pot of sex you got going on there. Did you just say a pot of sex? Yeah, like a sex pot, but I did a fire. Oh, yeah, under, I it was like a, anyway, I'm a dork. Um, mm. That has kind of uh, put into the forefront of my mind, like, hmm, maybe I should keep nice, because I'm not sure when that second day is coming, you know what I mean? Twice a week? Friday at 5.30. <laughs> so, you know, making sure that maybe I do exercise a little bit, or I, you know, do make sure that I uh, don't smell like soap, but maybe, um, you know, clean and my teeth are brushed or whatever. That's helpful because otherwise I have no reason to do it really. Just, I mean, it's easy to fall into that pattern in this lifestyle for me anyway, of just like putting that last because there's so many other things that I feel like have to be done. But, and I guess this is the second thing, um, when you don't have that connection with the person that you're with and you're supposed to be with kind of intimately, not platonically, uh, it makes life a little less sweet. It's not that I'm not happy, but it kind of does make things feel better when we can snuggle and have that connection versus kind of be in, uh, opposition to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, Sex doesn't exist isolated by itself. We've also been cuddling more and things like that. And, uh, you know, Teresa pointed out something that I knew. It's just you get in these habits of things. So like before, which was a long time ago, like the last time we had had sex before her coming back, um, it was still good, but it was kind of abrupt. You know, there was no real foreplay because it was just, it was like, we had kind of lost any kind of connection with each other to an extent that it was like, if I don't make this happen, it's just not going to happen. So anything at this point is probably better than nothing. So there was something about it that was missing. And it was that cuddling aspect. It was that kind of intimacy that builds. And even I appreciate sex a lot more when that's like coupled with it. But I find that it's not something I can just intellectually like, oh, I need to spend five minutes doing this and 10 minutes doing that. And then, you know, like you always have to go down and cunnilingus before, you know, it's, it's not that kind of thing. It's more like building up a feeling. It's more like that Don Juan kind of, uh, from the Carlos Castaneda books that building up that knowledge, that's more of an energy Mm -hmm. rather than an intellectual exercise of like step A, B, C, you know, that kind of crap. Yeah. So And something else that you said was, I think you said this the other day, was that um, our bodies are built to communicate in that way. I mean, yeah, it's it's great for procreation, but it's also, I mean, our bodies are sensual things. Yeah, your body is designed to have sex. Like as a man, you know, so what I told Teresa is like, the only reason I have a dick is to put it inside of a woman's body. Otherwise, I'd just have a urethra like a woman. I'd squat and pee. The only reason I'm, like, carrying around this dick that sometimes gets in the way and does weird <laughs> shit and, like, can be problematic <laughs> is for sex. I am built. I'm a, I'm a creature designed to do this act. And so Teresa has a lot of respect for the old ways. She likes talking to old people. She likes considering how people did things during the Great Depression. She likes reading about history. So... One of the things I pointed out to her is I said, you realize sex is the oldest communication, the oldest dance that we could do ever since we evolved from single-celled organisms that just cloned, uh, split apart into clones. Sex is what we do. It's it's older than any of that stuff that you're you're studying. And um, it's a language older than words. It is a language oh, older than you. words. And um, I stole it. Yeah, damn. There's the brain fart. There it is, that mental deterioration. You Uh, are built to communicate this way, not with words, not with all this. So, yeah, that's another thing, Jordan Peterson. I wish I'd known we were going to talk about this. I'd have found the place in the book, but let's see how I can do, how well I can do. He said something to the effect of, like, 
the wisdom of our evolution has recognized that it's better for two beings that are not alike. All the differences, both emotional, physical, etc., etc., between men and women and uh, Wokies, there are differences. Sorry, it just is. It's not. It's not there for you to like or dislike. It's just a fucking fact. But those differences evolution has found is better for us to come together to create something new rather than just to clone the old. It's almost, when you think about it in terms of conservative and liberal, a liberal act. Hmm. Instead of just recreating the old, which, you know, you could see as kind of a conservative concept, it's let's do something new. Let's take different things, toss it up a little bit, these different genetics, this man and woman who are built differently, different heights, different weights, different lineages and backgrounds. Let's create something new. So that was something I found very interesting. So I'd really recommend, like, if you get your hands on that book and uh, you're in a relationship, that chapter alone is worth checking out. Nice. It definitely made an impression on me. And uh, Teresa, ever since, you know, like getting back and us romping in the hay, has been like, whoo, boy, this is from Jordan Peterson. <laughs> he Jordaned my Peterson. No, <laughs> I Jordaned his Peterson. I'm not sure. I think you better just leave that one alone. <laughs> So our time is winding up, so we don't have to feel like we got to talk much more, but we don't have to feel like we have to shut up immediately either. So is there anything else that uh, you think would be interesting or uh, that you want to talk about, or are you uh, about ready to wind this one up? I really don't have uh, that much more on my list. Uh, do you remember anything else? I could go into other things my brother said, but that might be a, a little more political for the end of a show. Mm. It could be a whole show, things my brother said, and then we could just pretend like he's here and I could do his voice and everything. It really could, and I know what you're thinking of, that you're uh, trying to avoid getting into the Roe versus Wade thing. Uh, and this was something that, admittedly, there are some things that the woke left uh, promotes ideas that are just like, that's ridiculous. You're going to fucking tell me you need a biologist to tell what a woman is and then... Uh, champion women's rights that's fucking ridiculous <laughs> but the debate of the roe versus wade thing there are some really good arguments there that's fertile ground like i'm i don't feel a hundred percent on one side or the other because i hear the arguments and i'm like you make a good point i see where you're coming from so yeah i guess we'll just you know <laughs> i brought that up i'll just leave that out there i'm not even gonna get into it because it would be i think we need to prepare a little bit better for that right so. to us tell us what you think yeah yeah, not enough people are writing to us. So, uh, yeah, definitely write in. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. We may challenge you. We may even, like, read your note in a uh, funny voice. But uh, we will respect it, and we will answer it. And if you have something to say and then follow it up with another challenge, we love those. Mike H., where the fuck are you? You said you were going to keep listening. I want another one of those challenging emails. I want somebody to look at, like, the crap I'm saying and, like, pick it apart, because that provides the next conversation, which goes deeper. We need more of that. Practice. Practice. This is a safe place to practice. If we, like, have a little fun and mock you a little bit, big deal. Who are we? We're two hobos Yeah, we're two hobos. It's we okay. We scrub our ass in streams and shit like that, and we live in the woods. And as Teresa sake. said in a former episode, like, even if you agree with what we're saying, practice challenging it. What if you didn't? Yeah. What might you say and think? It's really good practice. And with this mental deterioration happening in our culture, you better use every opportunity you can to get those fucking rusty wheels rolling. Think. Think. Um, damn. And as I'm telling people to think, I just lost my thoughts. <laughs> so. so, yeah. Did you have any other things that you wanted to talk about before we wrap this up? Well, I just did. Mm. <laughs> it fell out of my ear. So, I guess not. All right. Well. Like we keep saying, uh, write in. And if you don't want us to, you know, use your name or whatever, just put a different name. I think that contact form on our website, like spam bots can put stuff in there. So, I mean, you could put whatever you want. No, oh, um, I. Yeah. Go ahead. I know what I was thinking. I just wanted to remind people that we do not edit our podcast. I was listening to Ramblin' Man that I just released last week and I like, I got so many words backwards, like that I was men meaning to say one thing and I said the opposite. So uh, just recognize that when we're talking. <laughs> what we're striving for is kind of like we're sitting around a campfire with you, like talking, not like you're listening to a show. We're not that well produced or anything. So just like you'd be talking to somebody and you're like, all right, I get what you mean. 
I know like that wasn't what you meant. You said the wrong thing, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the atmosphere we're striving for. It's the journey. Yeah, it is the journey and it's the process and we're all imperfect people uh, exploring ideas. So once again, we are not promoting ourselves as experts in anything. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll get ready for next episode for uh, really delving into how our views have changed since the beginning, because uh, I think that really highlights exactly what I'm trying to talk about here, that our views are evolving. And if uh, circumstances change, let them go. As Don Juan said, a path is only a path. And uh, the question you need to ask yourself is, is it, is it a path with heart? And if it's no longer a path with heart, it doesn't serve you. Don't be a damn fool. Abandon that path. Do something else. Hell, I voted Democrat once. <laughs> Look how much I've changed. So I guess that's it for me. Yeah. And that's a benefit of escaping society is uh, you have more time to really get to know yourself, get to know others, um, and get to know this earth. So remember that. And our website is escapingsociety.weebly.com. And from there, you can look at all our fun, outdated shit. Um, But send us a message through the website. And uh, Gumby, anything else? Stay in school, kids, and don't do drugs. Okay. And we don't need it It's killing your kids So why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay But you don't need to heed it You can give them the finger There's no time to linger So Thank you for listening to our song It's not very good And it went kind of long Don't care if you like it Cause we'll be gone Over that next horizon We ain't got no address